Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one best-selling book, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Then call my office at 662-844-1414 and order my new book, The Code Breaker. Welcome into the Tuesday edition of the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. Glad that you are with me. I'm supposed to be off today, and I guess technically I still am off today. I'm one of those idiots that still works on their day off. I just couldn't not talk about this Tennessee thing, especially when you've got the publications dropping Lane Kiffin's name in the Tennessee coaching search. I've got a lot of thoughts on that, and also... The SEC under Greg Sankey. Now, I think the way COVID was handled in the SEC was excellent, and they deserve a lot of credit for that. But when you look across the league right now, almost half the league is in or was recently in NCAA trouble. Maybe we need to start pointing the finger at the league office, so we'll get to all that coming up. But first, I do want to remind you, I know you've got a pre-roll now, but the show is brought to you by LBs just across from Kroger on University Avenue right there in Oxford. Go by and see Greg. Tell him we sent you the weather picking up this week. Going to look very nice, so uh, at least in my neck of the woods anyway. Let's check out Oxford. Oh, it's going to be raining. Uh, Rainy week in Oxford, so let Greg and LBs do the cooking for you. Stop by and get one of their daily lunch specials Monday through Friday. They are open seven days a week, though. If you're going to make something involving meat, Get it started at the best place in Mississippi to get it, and that is LB's right there in Oxford. Also, follow me on Twitter, at Michael Borky. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating and a review while you're here. And if you're on Spotify, which is my platform of choice, uh, hit that like button. Uh, That'll be a big help to me, and also it'll auto-populate to your phone every day. Because of my life circumstances, some days, uh, you know, I try to do Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Some weeks, it's going to be on Tuesday or or at night or whatever. So slight inconsistency because, you know, the radio show is my priority. And I'm adding another bit of uh, content item, a daily content piece coming here in the very near future. So uploads might be a little inconsistent, So just go ahead and subscribe or like the podcast, and you don't have to worry about uh, catching it at the right time on social media or or wherever uh, you see this podcast. So again, welcome in, and uh, let's talk. I did see a column, I I might talk about this later, but uh, a guy from uh, that writes in in Omaha, Nebraska, saying that uh, the Big Ten should not allow Southern schools to get away with championships being played in cold weather, I mean, that, that or not being played in cold weather, where Northern teams always have to go south to play championships. And the article suggests that Alabama and the SEC is so dominant because they don't have to play cold weather games. I mean, that's just the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. I, it just came across. I usually would rip something like this apart because it's nonsense, but I got too much to talk about, especially when it comes to Tennessee. And that's The story of college football right now really is what the heck is going on on Rocky Top. And I'm talking about this on the Ole Miss-based podcast, uh, mostly because The Athletic, ESPN, they put out these coaching lists, and the same when it comes to Auburn. 
like I told you before, Lane Kiffin gets clicks. If you have to write a story about a coaching search, you, you can put his name in there and people are going to click on it and people are going to talk about it because that's what Lane Kiffin does. At the end of the day, this is a business that is driven by people reading and consuming your product. I want as many people to listen to this podcast as possible. I want as many people to listen to my radio show as possible. I want as many people to watch my soon-to-be-new daily content as much as possible. Now, I'm not going to sell my soul for that, um, like some people do in this industry. I'm not going to go full Max Kellerman on all of you, but I, I want that to happen. And so if I'm trying to sell subscriptions, if I'm trying to get people to click on articles uh, I put Lane Kiffin's name in a coaching search. It's easy clicks. It's cheap content. People will read it. People will talk about it. It's really just that simple. So um, that's part of the reason why you see his name popping up. But uh, Chris Lowe, for example, said that Tennessee should, quote, kick the tires, end quote, on Lane Kiffin. Kick the tires on Lane Kiffin. So let's unpack this for a little bit. Um, first of all, NCAA stuff aside, I think Tennessee is not the job that it used to be. I mean, when you really think about Tennessee football, this is something that I've talked about for a couple of years now. If you listen to the the radio show, you've heard I'm sure you've heard me talk about this before. I think the college football landscape has dramatically changed. There used to be a handful of programs that were it. In the sport, and now you're probably thinking, "Wait, haven't you been complaining that there is only a handful of programs that can win championships?" And yes, I'm talking about there were only a handful of programs that were even worth like looking at as a recruit, worth considering. There were only a handful of programs that could even make any kind of noise whatsoever, and I think that has changed. I, I have said this before as well. I think twelve of the 14 SEC jobs are top 35 jobs in college football. Every advantage Tennessee used to have is gone, much like Nebraska. I don't think Nebraska has a single advantage anymore, and they used to have all of the advantages. I think the playing field has leveled. I think the SEC success has elevated Ole Miss and Mississippi State to, for example, keeping it local, to a point where Although Tennessee is technically a better job than both of the places here, I think that gap has dramatically closed. Um, the money is not that much different. Tennessee has more of it, but it's not that much. Mississippi produces more talent than Tennessee, and the best talent-producing city in the state of Tennessee is six hours away from Knoxville. Um, they haven't had any success lately. They haven't beaten Alabama in basically my lifetime. Um, they have... Haven't won 10 games since 2007, and they have more losing seasons than winning seasons since that stretch. The players they're recruiting right now were four years old the last time Tennessee won 10 games. Since that time, this is a crazy stat to me, since that time, 2007, the only other SEC team to not win 10 games in that stretch is Vanderbilt. How about that? Since... Tennessee's last 10-win season, only one SEC team has not accomplished that feat, and it's Vanderbilt. If there's such this great, booming, incredible college football program that has all these advantages and is so attractive and just incredible, why can't they win? Why don't they win? They've had coach after coach after coach be a failure. 
especially when it comes to media, people are so caught up in 1998. You have these sports writers who were my age when Tennessee was good in 1998, the last time they won anything of the national championship. People are still stuck in that era. So much has changed since 1998, and people are still caught in it. They still think that Tennessee's just some elite-level job that people like Lane Kiffin would just crawl to. And it's nonsense. Billy Napier's name is getting thrown into this. If, if he turned down Auburn, he sure as hell is turning down Tennessee right now. So NCAA stuff aside, I think the, the gap has closed between a job like Tennessee and that of Ole Miss. But you have to take into account also the prior relationship. As much as the fans would want somebody like him, I think the administration wouldn't let that happen but on top of all of that Tennessee yesterday straight up admitted straight up admitted to major NCAA violations they did that in a press conference straight up openly in front of everybody for the world to see admitted major NCAA violations. And the the self-investigation story, that narrative was always so impossibly stupid. I think I talked about it here on this podcast, or maybe it was just the, the radio show, so I'll repeat myself again. I, I knew this was bunk a couple weeks ago. Because the idea that that some people pushed, that Tennessee was quote, self-investigating to find something incriminating on Jeremy Pruitt so they could fire him and avoid paying the buyout was the stupidest narrative I've ever heard. It, it, it was complete and utter nonsense that Tennessee just decided, well, you know, we don't want to pay the buyout, so let's go find NCAA violations, fire the coach for cause, and everything will be okay. Like Clay Travis yesterday said how great it was that they, they were able to avoid paying the buyout and they found violations and Pruitt's gone and now everything's going to be great. What are you talking about? I mean, really think that narrative through. Think that idea through. Jeremy Pruitt was owed a buy. It was like $12 million or whatever. He, he just got a raise, maybe even more than that. Let's call it 20 Just for the sake of things, let's call... It a $20 million buyout. I think that's too high, but let's just call it that. To avoid paying a $20 million buyout, you're inviting an NCAA investigation, which as you as Ole Miss fans have seen, costs a hell of a lot more than that. You don't invite an NCAA investigation into your program. You don't ask for that. That that was never something that was realistic. It was never something that made sense. And being happy today that they found a bunch of high-level violations in the NCAAs involved is not a good thing. In fact, it's the exact opposite. It's really bad. It's really bad. And nationally, it's not being talked about to the severity that it needs to be. This doesn't happen by choice. Tennessee is not choosing to invite an investigation to get rid of Pruitt so they can clean things up and get right back to winning. That's not how this works. They had somebody 
bring receipts. That That's what happened. Somebody with an axe to grind on Tennessee who reported these violations that they were investigating um, had proof. It was impossible for them to ignore. They did not choose to self-investigate to avoid paying a buyout for a coach they just extended and gave a raise to. And Philip Fulmer did not resign for reasons other than this investigation. Let's be real. No, what happened is somebody with an axe to grind reported things that were provable. And Tennessee had no choice whatsoever but to get involved, lawyer up, and now the NCAA is involved. The self-investigation story was always nonsense. I mean, just... Colin Cowherd used to do this thing. I haven't heard him say it in a while, but I think it was really smart. It was, say it out loud. That was his phrase. Say it out loud. So, when you're thinking about something, when you were one of those people, and I doubt any of you listening were one of these people, but people in my business, in my industry, would say things like that. That, oh, Tennessee self-investigating to try to get out of paying a buyout. Say that out loud. Tennessee invited an investigation of themselves to uncover NCAA violations significant enough to fire their head coach with cause to avoid paying his buyout. Does that make sense when you say it out loud? No. Of course not. And, you know, I'm wrong often, but I nailed that one. I... That didn't make any sense from the beginning, and now here they are. And you know it's a hell of a lot more serious than people are letting on, mostly because of Jeremy Pruitt's statement. So they fired Jeremy Pruitt with cause, or at least they they claim they have cause. It's going to get ugly there. Here was the statement from uh, Jeremy Pruitt's lawyer. It's wordy. I'm going to read it to you. I know reading is not good, and it's a long statement, but I think this is really important because this shows exactly what's going on. It's not a self-investigation. The NCAA is involved here, really heavily involved here. Quote, This afternoon, Coach Pruitt learned that Tennessee was terminating his employment for cause. He's disappointed with the decision, the public announcement of which was made prior to any substantive opportunity to respond before the appropriate decision makers. We believe the decision to be the culmination of an orchestrated effort to renege on contractual promises made to Coach Pruitt upon his hiring in 2017 and reiterated less than five months ago, talking about his extension. While the limited portions of the university's self-initiated investigation shared with Coach Pruitt provide some evidence of violations committed by off-field staff, uh, Chancellor Plowman personally confirmed during an in-person meeting with Coach Pruitt this morning that, one, the university's investigation had yet to be completed, and two, the chancellor had not yet read Coach Pruitt's NCAA interview transcript. Wait, hold on now. I was told it was just a self-investigation. Why has Coach Pruitt interviewed with the NCAA? It's almost as if it's more than just a self-investigation. I'll keep reading. And there was no evidence that Coach Pruitt was either actively involved in any alleged violations or knew they were occurring. 
She further confirmed to Coach Pruitt that no employment decision had been made. Less than three hours later, Coach Pruitt was emailed a five-page, single-spaced letter of termination, the contents of which were immediately leaked to the public. The timing of the university's actions and decision appeared to be preordained and more about financial convenience than a lost my place, a fair and complete factual determination by the university. Moreover, it seems clear that the recent leaks to the press are indicative of an interest to steer the narrative in a way that is desirable to the university to justify a decision likely made weeks ago. Coach Pruitt and I look forward to defending any allegation that is engaged in any NCAA wrongdoing, as well as examining the university's intent to disparage and destroy Coach Pruitt's reputation in an effort to avoid paying his contractual liquidated damages. I'll stop there um, because that's really wordy, but if you think this is going to go quietly, that oh, they'll self-report some violations and maybe get docked a couple scholarships and still a great job because they run through the T and they'll be able to hire whatever coach they want, you're absolutely insane. That that's you're you're insane if you think that this is just going to go quietly. Dan Patrick this morning on his show, it's, and people questioning Dan Patrick, speaking of insanity, are also insane. There's nobody more connected in sports media than Dan Patrick. He knows everybody at every level. He is so well respected, and he does not make stuff up. He said this morning um, that a source told him about how sloppy Tennessee was being, including uh, fast food bags filled with money, and that Georgia's involved as well couple of the players that Tennessee is apparently going to get in trouble for actually ended up at Georgia. You know, putting one and two together. Um, I believe Dan Patrick. I have no reason not to. I think this thing's going to get really, really ugly. And the way the administration treated Jeremy Pruitt, this whole thing makes that job wholly unattractive. It's a dumpster fire. It's a dumpster fire that... I mean, the head coach was a target in this. And he's being blamed for everything, which, you know, the head coach is the leader of the program. Maybe it all is his fault. But Tennessee sat at a press conference yesterday and admitted to multiple, multiple major infractions with the NCAA. And you, reporter, think that Lane Kiffin's going to jump to that job? I mean, are you crazy? Maybe he does. Maybe I'm dead wrong here. That's possible. I've been wrong before. But when somebody like Chris Lowe, who has done a really good job building a reputation of being a good reporter, but when he says the phrase, Tennessee should kick the tires on Lane Kiffin, what are you talking about? Kick the tires. I mean, Tennessee, if they really want to go after Lane Kiffin, they should beg him, get on their knees and beg him to take their job and offer him whatever the hell he wants. I mean, seriously, kick the tires? They could not possibly do better on top of the fact that he's not going there. But they could not possibly do better and they should, quote, kick the tires as if that job is any kind of desirable right now? He's talking about kick the tires. They should beg him. If I were Tennessee, I'd call him. Absolutely. I'd, I'd beg him, please come here. No, don't hang up. 
That would be the nature of the conversation. Kick the tires. You just admitted to multiple NCAA violations. You're in the middle of an investigation. You forced your coach out. You're making him the scapegoat. Your program's a dumpster fire. It's completely incompetent, and the job's not that great anyway. And they should kick the tires as if he would take that job? Again, maybe I'm dead wrong. Lane Kiffin taking the Tennessee job does not make any sense. It doesn't make any sense at all. It's not rooted in reality. And I hope, (laughs) if I am wrong, people use this clip and uh, use it against me forever. But it it doesn't make any sense. Say it out loud. Lane Kiffin, currently at Ole Miss, not the best job in college football. He will leave at some point for a better job. It's going to happen. Returns his quarterback. Returns his running back. Still has his offensive coordinator. He's got the running back room is great. I think the wide receiver room is better than people are going to give it credit for this offseason. He's got a fan base that's totally engaged. He's got an athletic director that lets him do whatever he wants. That's what I've been told. I am told that Keith Carter cares about one thing. Go win football games. This is just what I've been told. That Keith's like, I'll handle all the all the other stuff. You win football games. I don't give a shit what else you do. And that is apparently very attractive uh, to Lane Kiffin. And that's exactly how it should be. Don't micromanage a guy like him. Let him do his thing. He'll market you well. He'll win football games. He'll go fishing in Boca. Let him go do that. And apparently that is the current setup. And there is a, uh, there's a mutual satisfaction there. If everything comes back to normal in 2021, Ole Miss is going to sell out their season tickets. Donations are going to go way up. Everything's going to be great. Seriously, the the money that's going to come in for Ole Miss this year if things get back to normal because of Lane Kiffin is massive. On the athletic director side, Keith Carter, I, I imagine, cannot be more satisfied with how things have gone so far since the day he fired Matt Luke. And on the Kiffin side, he's not long for Oxford. I don't think he is. I think a big job is going to come calling, and he'll take that job, and that's okay. But when you have an administration, when you're a guy like him that's going to let you do whatever, which is what I've been told, and maybe that information's wrong as well, but I've been told by multiple people that Kiffin kind of likes that. That he doesn't care. He didn't. He doesn't. There's a mutual understanding of go win football games. I'll handle the rest. You do what you want. Just win. That's a good thing. For him to leave the situation he's in, he's, he's just got a raise. Well, he's about to. The, the deal hadn't been officially signed yet, but he's agreed to a, a pretty substantial raise. They're about to release a massive facilities project, and he's going to up and leave that to go to a place where he's already been that hasn't won at all since 2007, that is in the middle of a major NCAA investigation, and he doesn't know who his boss is going to be. Say it out loud. Does that make sense? No. No, it doesn't. It doesn't make any sense at all. But hey, Tennessee should kick the tires on that. They could not do better. Yeah, maybe they should kick the tires on Billy Napier next. <laughs> 
kick the tires. Billy Napier is not taking that job. Get him off your list. He is not taking that job. If he didn't take Auburn, he sure as hell isn't taking Tennessee. Not happening. And again, I may be wrong. I've been wrong before. I don't see that happening. Not even close. It's a disaster up there right now. And they could probably get Hugh Freeze, although optically that's probably a a bad call, but it's college football, so who really cares? I know he would take that job running. I mean, it's the height of hypocrisy, but it's college sports. I wouldn't hire him if I were Tennessee. It sounded like in that press conference yesterday that he is not an option. They certainly wanted to pretend like they do things the right way at Tennessee. Um, The tone of that press conference struck me to believe that he's not an option. Again, I could be wrong. It didn't feel like that to me. But he would take that job. Um, I mean, I think Gus Malzahn would take that job. I think. They would have to offer him a lot of money in a big, fat contract. I mean, many years, six years or something like that. It's possible Gus takes the year off, but I don't know. I think their candidate pool is going to be really, really small. Because nobody wants to walk into a situation where, one, they don't know what the NCAA is going to do to the program. They don't know who their boss is going to be. An incredibly toxic and unrealistic fan environment, also, on top of everything else. It just doesn't make any sense. But we're stuck in 1998, and we think that, by God, Lane Kiffin just wants to run through that T. Well, I don't see that. Oh, Billy Napier. Oh, it's Tennessee. He he can't turn that job down. Yes, he can. Absolutely he can. I would, if I were him. He's got another good team coming back next year. More jobs are going to come open. Ones that aren't tied to self-reporting major NCAA violations. I wouldn't take it if I were him. But we'll see. I think they got a mess on their hands. I think Kevin Steele probably successfully uh, orchestrated a coup this time. Um, I mean, I guess Tom Herman maybe would take that job. Uh, apparently, VolQuest has Matt Campbell on their hot list. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Matt Campbell's going to take that job. He's been offered how many different jobs, and he's going to go to Tennessee where there's an NCAA investigation. Yeah, yeah, sure he is. Um, No shot. No shot at all. I've had my coffee this morning, can't you tell? Oh, boy. All right, and last thing for you. um, The current state of the SEC. Greg Sankey and the league office deserve so much credit for how they handled COVID. I said it at the very beginning. They deserve so much credit for how they handled COVID and the Big Ten and the Pac-12 bowing out of the season. They deserve credit for standing in and being the adults in the room. That was pretty impressive, and a lot of people, myself included, should be thankful for that because I don't know if I have a job today if the SEC does not play football this year. Truly, I, I don't know. But two things. The way the league office, specifically him, held 
the state flag thing over Ole Miss and Mississippi State's head, even though they had nothing to do with it. They didn't fly it on their campus, and they actively tried to get rid of it, I thought was awful, especially when they play the SEC championship in the state of Georgia and ghoul their flag. I I thought that was... um, I thought that was cheap, and I thought it was wrong, and that's a little close to home because I thought Ole Miss and Mississippi State were treated very unfairly in that situation, and it's hypocritical to hold your biggest event in the state of Georgia while finger-pointing at Mississippi the way he did. Didn't like that. But do we need to start talking about the league office differently right now in leadership in the SEC? even though they handled COVID perfectly. We need to start talking about the SEC differently. Because under Greg Sankey right now, you've got this Tennessee situation, which looks like an absolute disaster. Georgia possibly getting roped into this as well. You had Ole Miss's NCAA situation where he stood back and allowed a player, two players, from two separate SEC schools to give statements against Ole Miss. Well, allowed that to happen. So Ole Miss gets multiple bowl bans, mostly, not mostly, but in part because of a Mississippi State player's testimony. Ole Miss got a level one violation because of an Auburn player's testimony. He let that happen. Then Mississippi State gets on probation themselves for an academic scandal. Tennessee, or excuse me, Missouri has multiple sports get postseason bans because of an academic scandal. Auburn has a postseason ban in basketball because of the uh, the investigations around pay-for-play in college basketball. You guys know that already. And they're being coached by Bruce Pearl, who has already had an assistant go to prison. You have LSU, and you guys know about LSU by now, with um, a booster currently sitting in prison because he was using a hospital charity to funnel money to recruits and then the Will Wade strong-ass offer thing. So they've got basketball and football and there's uh, domestic and sexual assault allegations within programs at LSU. Almost half the league is currently wrapped up in NCAA stuff. Yeah, it's these programs' fault for breaking the rules. I, I know. But... Do we need to start pointing at the league office? Does this happen with better leadership? I, I mean, it, I guess the question is, is Greg Sankey in the SEC office doing the best they can to stop things like this from happening or to defend their league when things like this occur? Tennessee, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Missouri, Auburn, wait, let me count them out loud because I can't do this in my head. Tennessee, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Missouri, Auburn, LSU, possibly Georgia. That would be half the league. That would be half the league. Maybe we need to start looking to Birmingham. Because it, it, it's out of control right now. I mean, this is completely out of control. If you haven't listened to the press conference yesterday at Tennessee, I encourage you to listen to it. They just openly admitted to it. Major violations. I I have a very negative thought of the league office currently because, again, 
Changing the state flag of Mississippi, in my opinion, was the right thing to do. I'm glad they did it. I have the new one waving in front of my house right now. I love it. The way Ole Miss and Mississippi State were treated when it comes to that, um, I thought was was targeted um, inappropriately. Punishing the wrong people for something they had no control over. And it was wildly hypocritical, considering the flags of other states in the SEC's footprint, especially Georgia. So maybe there's still some inherent bias when I talk about the league office, but guys, we're, we're looking at possibly seven programs in the SEC. Half the league dealing with NCAA trouble. You, you tell me if that office is doing the best they can to mitigate stuff like this. Because I wouldn't believe you. All right, that's it for me. Thank you so much. This is my day off, or one of my days off. Uh, when my son wakes up from his nap, we're going to go. We're going to go play. So that'll be the rest of my day. I'm going to unplug for a little while. I just couldn't avoid talking about this. The kick the tires line really got me laughing. Um, kick the tires on the best hire they could possibly make, considering the circumstances, and it would take. Um, like $10 million a year to make that happen. I mean, just, it, it's absurd. Um, kick the tires as if they could do any better. Um, that got me laughing. So I had to record a podcast this morning. So thank you guys so much uh, for listening. I'm excited to uh, to start doing my morning. It's going to be morning live video on basically every platform that you can put live video on. Um just something that I've wanted to do for a while. I'm inspired by uh, the guys at A to Z Sports. They're based in Nashville. They do. Uh, they started just the two of them doing a show on Facebook Live and Periscope, and they would record it and put it in podcast form. Basically, on-demand sports talk is what they called it. And now they they have a bunch of employees. They're in multiple markets. They're in Nashville, I think Dallas, and now Kansas City. Uh, so they have turned some live video into like legit business and they're just kicking ass and uh, ever since they started that I've kind of wanted to do something on my own and I've seen other people now do it um Neil and Chase at Rebel Grove do an excellent job at at live video and stuff like that uh it's really good stuff I'm sure a lot of you have watched it or seen it they're just um it looks great it's it's good product and I don't see a reason why we shouldn't be doing that either so I'm taking the reins on it, and so at some point this week, my goal is tomorrow, possibly Thursday, I'll uh, I'll start doing that. It'll be a daily morning live stream, shorter. It won't be like an hour long or anything. I'm shooting for you know a half hour, just kind of like a morning brief type thing. Um, yeah, so that's coming soon too. Looking forward to starting that. But really glad you guys are with me. Uh, as always, and I'll talk to you again uh, tomorrow morning. I'm going to do a basketball recap because even though uh, a lot of the fan base is checked out, there's a whole lot of apathy around here. I do believe that um, the Egg Bowl of basketball is important enough to do a reaction podcast for. So I'll do that tomorrow. And until then, you guys have a great rest of your day. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.